uh, I, I, I was sitting, it, it's funny how God speaks to us in different ways, in different places, and I, was, I, was, I had parked my car, and I usually before I come in, I like to take just a few minutes and just sort of decompress, you know, uh, breathe deeply, and uh, uh, get ready to come in and, and do what I do by, by, by God's grace. And, and this word came to me, this word came to me, privilege, privilege. I can assure you it is not the word in the narrative and the context that you hear today. Spiritual privilege. We're going to talk about that as we get to the end, so you've got to stay. <laughs> Those of you watching online, make sure you get back here before the end, all right? Because uh, I want you to hear this. this. Um, our message is entitled, The Power of a Step. You might remember this. That's one small step for man, one Giant leap for mankind. Um, the words of Neil Armstrong, the first man to step on the moon. And it may have been one small step for a man, because he says that's what he said, or that's what he thought he said, but let's not worry about that. You would agree that that was a, I don't know, for those of you who are old enough, you probably remember where you were when that happened. Uh, with your little black and white TV that you had to get up and change the channels and whatever, um, adjust the antennas to get it the right thing. And how many of you, when you were young, you were the remote control? Okay, you were, you were. Get up and change that channel, boy. <laughs> Can't even watch TV with you. <laughs> um, but it was a major step. And let me just pray because I'll just keep going on and you'll keep standing and going, how much longer? Jesus, we thank you for the privilege that we have on this side of covenant. We thank you for the blessings that we have that are so easy to just take advantage of and forget those who pave the way that we might have these privileges, and I'm not speaking about people, but I'm speaking about you, Jesus, that you have, you have made something so incredible for us that I believe that the Old Testament saints would just shake their head and go, you have got to be kidding me. And I, I don't think that's how they talk, but that, that you have given everything to you. You emptied the bank for the church. I mean, you, and, and you, 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 you didn't empty the bank, but you, you gave them everything. And so, Father, may we be good stewards of that as we read your word this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody Sam, amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. All right. Steps. Um, I think that sometimes we think that when we come to Jesus, like when we surrender our hearts we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. God calls us in eternity past. We're drawn by the Holy Spirit. And we have a revelation in our heart that Jesus is, in fact, who he said he is. And there's this illumination and there's this, this traumatic experience of being born again. Uh, Jesus said that you have to be born again or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and I think that sometimes we think that once we do that, once we say that prayer or we, we, we genuinely mean that, I mean, and you know when you, you know, like, how many of you know, you know when you love somebody, right? Right? I mean, if you love somebody, you don't have to, you know, convince anybody. If you have to convince somebody that you love somebody, you probably don't love that body, okay? And, and, but I think sometimes we, we get this idea that we come to Jesus and then our spiritual life, if I could draw an gr imaginary graph, our spiritual life is like this. Woo! And you know, I, I, that's not true. It's not true. And I think there are people who get very disappointed sometimes because they, they give their life to Jesus, they, they surrender their hearts, and, and they think, okay, now, now I'm going to, whoo, and, and, and there's trials, and there's hardships, and there's difficulty, and there's, there's uh, uh, persecution, and it's like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was going to be like this. And I have to tell you that I find that my walk in Jesus isn't like this, but it's kind of more like this. Kind of more like oh yeah oh oh and, and sometimes it's kind of more like this whoa whoa yeah would you agree with that is that kind of okay that I think that that's good that's jolly good discipleship if you get that 
And the reason you get it is because you've experienced the highs and the lows, haven't you? you you've, you've been through that stuff. Well, um, uh, uh, the life in Christ or in the dimension of the Spirit is all about taking steps. Steps of faith. Uh, uh, it's, it's a journey. Um, it, it's all about movement. I, I'll put it to you that way. Um, uh, some of those steps that we'll take are going to be bigger than others. I'm reminded in the, in the book of Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus called people to discipleship. And in our Western culture, it's a little bit hard to understand how major these, these steps were. Culturally, that's what the teacher would do. They would call you to join them into fellowship. But it says in Matthew 4.18, Jesus was walking by, a sea, by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting their nets into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and i will make you fishers of men and they said whoa 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 hold up man we got business here we i just threw my nets in the water what you want me to do man you got to give me no that's not what they said huh you know that it says in verse 20 they immediately left their nets and followed him okay okay that's huge that's that's that th- their nets are everything that's their sustenance that's their income that's how they feed their family and they just went ho oh, and they took the most incredible step into discipleship that the the that even they could not have fully imagined at that moment the significance of that step uh, going on from there he saw two other brothers james the son of zebedee and john his brother also known as the sons of thunder right uh, and I, I don't have time to explain why they're called that. Um, uh, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets, which was an important part of the deal. So get this, uh, in, in ancient uh, 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 Near East, family is everything. Okay, everything, right? And, and, and Jesus, these guys are in their boat with their dad, right? And, and this is a generational business these are the sons, which means they're the ones grinding it out with dad, right? And then it says, um, uh, he, uh, uh, he called them, and immediately they left their boat. And their father, notice how it says that? They left their boat, and their father, and they followed him. And when the Israel... The ancient Jews heard this. They went, (gasps) what? He left his dad? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and again, the sons of thunder could have never, ever calculated how incredible of a step that would be. But they had to what? They had to drop their nets and they had to step to Jesus because they were called Jesus. To Jesus, uh, Wednesday night live. We're in, in a study in Jonah, and uh, we're, we're 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 I'm like, man, this is so good. It's so rich. There's so much in the story. So much happening. But how many of you know when you read the Word of God, there's so much that's that's happening behind the scenes. If you if you stu- if you sit in it, and there's so much that the Spirit of the Lord wants to show us as we read the Word. Jonah was called to take a step toward the Ninevites, and if you know the story, yeah, he took a step, all right, yeah, the other direction, <laughs> yeah, and, and he eventually got it right through a very circuitous route, uh, route. So how we respond to the callings of the Lord and the steps that we need to take could set the course for the rest of our lives. How we respond to those callings could set the course for the rest of our lives. Brother Glenn, let me just point you out. Let me just put you on, on blast in a spiritual way. If you ever want to hear a story, uh, and I'm bragging on my brother, of a man who took a step that, that, that changed the course of his life, he could hold the class on that. So you want to talk to him if you just need some encouragement. Is that okay to do that to you, brother, this morning? Call all your relatives and tell them, Pastor, Pastor put you on blast this morning, man, in a good way. Um, so everybody say out from there into here, say it again, out from there into here. Okay. Uh, years ago we were talking about a way to kind of visualize the journey, the discipleship journey 
and, and um, here at Living Grace. And we, we, we came up with this thought, you know, you know, we want people to connect. And you've, you've heard this term. We, we want people to connect. And, and we consider that the big end of the funnel. And most people, when they connect to your church, they connect through your website <laughs> first. And then they determine there whether they're going to visit or not. Or people connect through relationships that you have with them and you invite them and you bring them and they come. And, and, and so, so we, we said, okay, let's, let's, let's call that just connect. And then, but what's the purpose of that? I mean, uh, is it just to connect? Is it just to, 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 to have fr- fellowship with other, others? Is it just to come together on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever? Uh, uh, no, no, the, the, the connect needs to lead to growth. And so we kind of drew this arrow, connect, arrow, grow. And the growth, uh, that was sort of the component that, deter- that, that speaks of our small group network. Uh, the, the groups that are meeting throughout the week and, are, and are, are, are doing life together, which is one of our core values, because you can't do Christianity by yourself. It's not designed that way. Uh, so so we, we said connect, then we drew an arrow to grow, and then we drew another arrow to serve, because what's the purpose of our small groups or our light groups? Why do we bother to do that? Is it just a blessing me club? Is it just to come together, you know, we four, no more? And No, no, no. We want, we want our small groups to come together and enjoy the richness of Jesus being in the center of your time together because you're meeting together in, in agreement, but we want them to have the purpose of serving others. Because how do you grow in the things of Christ? Well, there are multiple ways, but one way is you connect, that is you come together, and then you come together in a smaller portion where you, where you grow together in, in unity and community, and then you serve together. And if you're connecting, and you're growing together, and you're serving together, you'll be growing together. But, but as we looked at connect, grow, and serve, we kind of we recognize something. There's a key here. And the key is the arrow from one to the next, from connect to grow. Those are the, that's the critical path. Those are the points of emphasis. Because if connection isn't leading to growing, then we really, really need to work on that. And if growing isn't leading to serving, then we really, really, really need to work on that. And then after we serve, then we reconnect. Uh, We talked about having a t-shirt that says, you know, wait, connect, grow, serve, repeat. (laughs) That's our discipleship model, 30,000 foot. So movement, movement, the arrows. Think about that throughout our time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. I like how the, the, it says that God, he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. See, see that out from there uh, into here. There's, a, there's an arrow there. There's, there's movement. And life in Christ is all about movement. It's not about standing still. Uh, even if he calls you to stay where you are, there is still movement. Uh, it's, a, it's a progression from glory to glory that we, we continually grow. And, and not to be stagnant, but to be moving. And so in the New Testament concept, it, it says this, speaking of our walk with Christ in Colossians 1, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. See the movement? Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, of His Son. Out of, into, out from there to bring us into here. How many of you are thankful that God brought you here, not to this address, but here in the place of being in a relationship with Christ? Some of you are our online audience. Yes, they are a uh, 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 standing ovation online audience. Thank you guys for that. Appreciate it. How does he know that? Okay, so in this process of movement, God didn't save us solely to inherit the promised land. But let's just call that heaven. <laughs> Uh, uh, sometimes we think, oh yes, when I was five years old, I said a prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so when I die, I'm going to heaven. It's like, uh, okay, I'm not trying to, wait a second now, hold on, hold on. A simple prayer 
I'm not trying to minimize it, but that's not all there is to it, yo. There's a whole process of growth. And, and, and again, if you love someone, it should be obvious. And a, a lot of, I, think, I think that there are a lot of people who believe on that day they're going to heaven when they're not because they haven't truly surrendered to the Lord in their lives. Okay? Um, he didn't save us solely that we would inherit the promised land in the future, but that we would move forward in him and occupy the promises that he has for us today. Because God is always working. One of the, one of the terms that, uh, that, that describes the body of Christ is that of a soldier. And, and a soldier's moving. There's, there's marching. There's, there's, there's engaging the enemy. Uh, there's, there's movement that happens. We're told to fight the good fight of faith in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. It says, you therefore must endure hardship. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life uh, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay? Movement. Arrows. Okay? Journey. Uh, 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 new, new trials. New, new difficulties. New highs. New lows. But, but, but movement. Okay? All right. Now. Getting back to our study in the book of Joshua, I want us to remember this. I saw this quote this week, and I loved it. Arthur Lewis, in his introduction to Joshua, says this. Joshua is not an epic account of Israel's heroic generation or the story of Israel's conquest of Canaan with the aid of her national deity. It is rather the story of how God, to whom the whole world belongs, at one stage in the history of redemption reconquered a portion of the earth from the powers of this world that had, that had claimed it for themselves, defending their claims by force uh, of arms and reliance on their false gods. It tells how God commissioned his people under his servant Joshua to take Canaan uh, in his name out of the hands of the idolatrous and dissolute Canaanites. The battles of Canaan uh, were there for the Lord's, uh, I mean, the, the battles for Canaan were there for the Lord's holy war undertaken at a particular time in a particular program of redemption. The conquered land itself would not become Israel's national possession by right of conquest, but it belonged to the Lord. It's important to get that straight, that this, this is, again, as we said last week, who's the main character in the story? It's not Rahab. It's not the spies. It is God moving forward in his redemptive plan for his people at that time, and that included inheriting the lamb that was promised to Abraham back in Genesis, because God always does what he says he will do Sometimes it just takes a little time, but we'll get to that. Can you say amen to that? All right, everybody say, get ready. ready. Say, follow the Lord. Lord. Now say, you don't know the way. (laughs) Is that great? Get ready. Follow the Lord. You don't know the way. Could you imagine? Could you imagine going on a trip? All right, family, let's get ready. Woo! And you know what? We're going to follow the Lord. Woo! And we don't know how to get there. What? All right. We're in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Woo! Are you with me this morning? I'm still fired up from last week's teaching. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> it says from verse 1, then Joshua, I'm reading out of the, new, Ameri- uh, the new, new King James Version, and our notes are on the YouVersion app, if you're familiar with that. It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and came, uh, and, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet, there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, 
for you have not passed this way before. Israel is commanded to camp by the river, the Jordan River, for three days. It's harvest season. The river is swole. <laughs> it is overrunning because of the, uh, the season, the, 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 the waters uh, or the snow melting in Mount Hermon and, and feeding this river. It's, it's not low tide, it's high tide. Our God is always on time. I am sure that the people, as they camped by this river for three days, must have thought, okay, like, is there a reason that we have to cross this river when it's at its highest point? Could we not have crossed it when it's lower? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Maybe I'm just speaking about me. <laughs> like, I would say, who's the leader? Why are we doing this now? We could have done this. Right? It's kind of our, our nature to do that. I don't know if the people looked and they camped by the river and went, okay, so how, how, how exactly is this going to work? I mean, it doesn't say that. I want to read into the script. Again, I'm just maybe speaking about me and, of course, second service because you guys don't think like that. You guys are different. But here's the thing. Our God is always on time. Always. Genesis chapter 21 verse 2 says this. It says, this happened, speaking of Sarah having a child when she was barren that is unable to have children because God had promised to Abraham that it would be a great nation that would come after him. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a miracle when you, when you do not have children, cannot have children, and you birth a nation. That's a miracle. Someone said, if you, if you want to believe that God exists, just look at Israel because there's no way that nation should be there and should have survived all that it has. It says in Genesis 21, 12, this happened at just the time that God said that it would. New Living Translation. Just at the time God said, God said it would happen, and it happened. There are two words in the New Testament for time, and I, I love this analogy. One is chronos, or chronos, and that's, that's what time is it? It's 9.14 Pacific Standard Time. Uh, that's the time on the clock. And then there's another word in the Greek language. It's called kairos. And it's not a time so much, although you might remember the time. It's a moment. It's a visitation. It's a movement of God. It's when God calls you to take a step and you take a step. And then you, you watch what God is about to do. It's, it's, a, it's a divine inspired moment. God is always on time. And I wrote this down. Lord, help us not to miss our Kairos moments. Secondly, when you're facing an obstacle, it helps to remember what the Lord has done in the past. I, I, I journal, I don't journal every day, but I, I try to journal a lot because I've seen the value of it. I've seen the value of, of writing things down that God has done, the, the movements, the moments, the whispers, the challenges, the deliverances, the divine appointments, the testimonies, the things that God is, is doing, the failures, the victories, uh, the small ones, the big ones. And, and I find that there are times when, when I need to go back and read those things. I need, to, I need to revisit those things. When you're facing an obstacle, it helps to remember what the Lord has already done in the past. I was reading just, just going back through some of my, my journal, uh, online journal, and, I, and I, I pulled up January the 8th. January the 8th, and, and this, is, this is the scripture that God showed me on January the 8th, Genesis 21-2. This happened at just the time God said that it would. And I thought, yeah, Lord, that's a word for me for right now. For right now, uh, I encourage you, go back, journal, write those things down. What are you sensing? What are you feeling? What is God saying? And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to go back and visit those things. Here's another thing that we, we get introduced to, and this is not in the context of the Bible, but, but the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? He tells the priest, grab the Ark of the Covenant. You need to head toward the water. The Ark of the Covenant. Most of you may know what that is. This is Israel's most treasured possession. It is the center of worship in the tabernacle and in the temple that will be built. It is exclusively 
in the very interior of the temple. It represents the throne of God and, yea, the very presence of God. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, God's presence was there. When the Ark of the Covenant went before these children as they were wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, they could point to the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant and say, God's right there. And they would follow, yes, the cloud, and they would follow the fire at night, but they also would follow the Ark of the Covenant. This golden box that some have called, if it ever actually is found, the greatest archaeological find of all time. It contained inside of it the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, a jar, a golden jar of manna. Um, from their wanderings in the wilderness and Aaron's rod that had budded. You remember when there was a controversy about whose priesthood was the actual priesthood and, and, and Aaron's rod budded? And those things, so so it, it represents the law, it, it represents provision, and it represents the priesthood and, 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 and this, this fantastically or, uh, uh, ornate box goes before them. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would, he would uh, put uh, 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 sprinkled blood on what was called the mercy seat. And that would be a, a symbolic covering of the sins of the people. Only the Levites could carry it. All right. Now, here's what I want to say about that. The omnipresent God of all the universe manifests his presence wherever the ark was. Where you saw the ark, that's where, in one sense, God's presence was manifested. Okay? God is transcendent as he is above us and above all. He is also imminent, which means he has an indwelling presence in the universe. He is personally involved in the things of the universe and in my life. Rahab understood this in Joshua chapter 2 when she said in verse 11, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. She understood that God was, was transcendent. That God was imminent, that God was supreme over all in heaven and yet on earth at the same time. Now, God manifests his presence today too, doesn't it? <clears throat> Second Corinthians 3, 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18 says this, Jesus speaking for where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as followers, the Amplified Bible says, I am there among you. There is a dimension. This is why it's so, so, so uh, uh, people who do not really get the fellowship part, they don't want to come together with other believers. It's me and Jesus, and that's all I need. And in one sense, that's true. And in one sense, it's false because this whole thing is designed that we would do life together. There are things that you will learn in community that you cannot, you may not learn simply by being with Christ and com communing with him. We must be together because God manifests his presence when the saints come together. And, you know, there are times when we come together and we sing worship songs and, the, and, and we're together, whether it's in a small group or whether it's here at church or whether it's, and by the way, this, is, this, is the church, this isn't the church building. The church is every one of you. We'll get to that. But, 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 but you just sense something great. I was praying with someone last week. Just we were, we were praying together and and, and it's like I opened my eyes, and it's like I forgot where I was. It was like this, it was, it was this experience, not an outer body experience, but I just, I, it was this depth of unity and community, and, and I, I sensed the presence of God there, if I could use that terminology. And I opened my eyes and went, whoa, man, whoo, I, I, I got lost in that. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. So the church has two clear purposes. I, I, I got this from someone. I don't know the gentleman's name. He said, we work, the church works within itself for the sanctification of its members to prepare God's people for God's presence and future presence. And it works externally to share 
the gospel so that the lost may enjoy God's presence now and forever. Chapter 3, verse 5, the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 5 says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. All right. He says this, Sanctify yourselves. There was an Old Testament ritualistic cleansing that you had to do before you came into the presence of the Lord. Before they entered the promised land, they had to purify themselves. The law required the washing on the outside, which was a symbol of the washing on the inside. Before I can enter into the promised land, I must be sanctified too. I must be washed on the inside, not by water, but by the cleansing Holy Spirit that must live within me. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, because by the Lord, uh, because, uh, beloved, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. How? Through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief in the truth. Now, not only am I sanctified when I come to Christ and I I surrender to Him, but I must choose sanctification daily. It is a one-time thing, and it is a daily thing, and there's a future sanctification yet to come when I will see Him face to face. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging Him, giving Him first place in your lives as Lord. That's what it means to sanctify the Lord. In your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging Him, giving Him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Do it with gentleness and respect. Sanctification. Verse 7 and 8, back to Joshua. It says this, And the Lord said to to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Here we go. I love this. First he says this. He says, as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. We've heard that before. This is the second time that we've, we've heard that phraseology. And then, uh, 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 and then it, well, two times from God and one time from the, 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 the two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side of the Jordan. They, they, they said that prayer over Joshua as well. And now listen, as the Lord was with Joshua, not exactly the same way, but he is with us as well. And those are comforting words to remember. John 14, 16, <clears throat> and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Sanctification. The presence of the Lord. I wrote this, when you have come to the edge of the water, or it says, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Did I mention that it's high tide? That it's, it's a river that's flowing, and it's a formidable barrier. Now, it says in verse 9, verse, we'll finish up verse 9 through uh, verse 13. Says so Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here, listen to this, and hear the words of the Lord your God. I love that. We'll get back to that. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, the Pezzarites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. 
Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for all the earth is crossing, uh, of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourself twelve men from the tribes of Israel, <clears throat> one man from every tribe. Verse 13, it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. All right. This is it. This is, this is our time. We've been waiting for this for 40 years. Some of them were born in the wilderness. Some of them were uh, 19 years and younger, and they managed to make it into, here we go. There's millions of them. We don't know how many there were, men, women, children, animals. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch. Let's say it's the population of Las Vegas, okay? Two million. I don't know what our population is. If any of you, statistician, maybe 2.1, maybe 2.2. Okay, let's just say two million around it, round it down. Maybe it's less. I don't know. They're getting ready to cross. This is it. We've been waiting for this for how? Here we go, right? Let's charge. Let's just go. Why do we have to wait another day? Come on. Oh, Joshua says, yeah, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Listen to the word of the Lord. <laughs> okay, we've already heard. We already got the word of the Lord. We've been listening to the word of the Lord for 40 years. Let's just go. Let's do this. I almost want to do that Bruce Buffer, it's time thing. But I, that guy's got... Lungs. <laughs> Listen to the word of the Lord. It is always good to just take a moment and listen to the word of the Lord. Even when he's told you to move forward, keep listening. What has God said and what has God said about me? Just keep reminding yourself of that. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Verse 11, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. See, the Lord is the Lord of the whole earth, not just one. You understand that some people make their nation the Holy Land, or they make their nation the Promised Land. And I get maybe Israel has an argument for that. But you know that America is not the promised land, right? You know that my, citizen, my spiritual citizenship doesn't say American. It says heavenly citizen. Sometimes we make our nation our God. Israel had a big problem with this in the New Testament when God said Jerusalem, when Jesus said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. They were like, no, 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 Jerusalem, Judea. Well, let's just leave it at that. Read the book of Acts. It took a few, it, it took some time for the, the early disciples to understand, no, truly, the ends of the earth. Huh? <clears throat> as soon as the, the, their feet touch the water, the flow of water will, will be cut off upstream and the river will stand like a wall. Okay. Barrier. Flood. Miracle has to happen for us to get through. For all of us to get through. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody got to get through. Can't leave no one behind. Once we go, once, if we do this, we cross over, there is no coming back. And if there's, and we already know there's enemies out there, and we, we, could, we, we could die on the other side of this Jordan. So if we go, we better understand this is it. And there's nothing in the Scripture to indicate they hesitated. Because they had the word of the Lord. And they moved forward. The Ark of the Covenant, the most that represents the presence of God, the most holy instrument in all of the of the ta the tabernacle and, and the temple that was yet to be built, 
these priests are going to put their foot in the water. This could go horribly wrong. Fast forward uh, 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 some generations where King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. He's got it on an ox cart. That's not how you transport the, uh, the covenant. Anyway, of course, one of the oxen stumbles, and a man named Uzzah goes, Oh, no! And he, he puts his hand out, and he touches the Ark of the Covenant. And I think he gets vaporized or something. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he just ceased to exist. And he died immediately. Oh, 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 the holiness of God, the terror of God. Oh, right? This is, this is, this is the presence of Lord, the Lord going before us, and we're going to walk into a raging river? Yes. Now, you know, some of these kids, they've seen this happen before because they've been around long enough. We'll get back to that. They're all in. Verse 14, let's read this and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll finish out for today. So it was when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan. The feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the time of harvest. <sighs> that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a, in a heap far away from Adam, Adam, the city that is in Zeratan. So the waters that went down to the, uh, the, so that the waters went down into the Sea of Arabah, the, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Woo! Let me wrap it up if I can. Sometimes the answer you need comes after you get your feet wet. <laughs> sometimes, not always, sometimes the answer you need happens when you get your don't we have that expression well let me just let me just get my feet wet let me, before i dive in let me just test the waters they were not testing the waters but sometimes b- b- the answer you need comes after you take a step you take a step and sometimes the first step is the hardest step especially when you're stepping into water and stepping into the unknown because a known, a known present is better than an unknown future except with God. And it doesn't make it easy, but there's a trust factor. Remember, arrows, movement, growth. All right? The water began to split after their feet entered the river. <laughs> you could have stood on this side of the Jordan all day going, okay, Lord, you need to, no, 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 you need to, the priest with, the, with my presence need to step into the water. Then I will part it. Because we want to see the evidence before we take the step. Maybe that's just me in second service. I don't know. Okay? Oh, no, Lord, you need to show me a little. They've had confirmation. They've had confirmation. God has spoken. To, now, now it's time to execute. And they go. They move. And, and, but that water was not going to stop until they stepped. And sometimes I don't see the water's part because I don't step. And I'm waiting for the waters to part. And the Lord is saying, you step. And I'll, 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 I'll do the other part. But you got to step because he wants me to grow He wants me to participate. He wants me to have a testimony. He wants me to believe for the impossible. And if he just did it, it would be, it would be so much easier for me. But he says, no, no, we're going to do this together. (laughs) Just part it. No, no, no. Step. It's just me. I know it's not you guys. You guys are going, what is he talking about? Let me finish, please. Look what happened. The ground dries up. Everyone crossed over. The priests waited in the water till the whole nation 
pass through. Then I mentioned that the ground was dry. Have you ever stepped your foot on the bottom of Lake Mead? It is gross. It's like, ah, <laughs> dry. Stop! I'm going to stop it, and it's going to be dry. Woo. The priest waited till the whole nation passed through. When they crossed over, the water flowed again. At this point, there's no turning back. Here we go. Here we go. I love it. It's awesome. Woo. Okay. I want to remind you, this promise, this, this scripture was a promise to a people at a certain time, at a certain place, for a certain movement of God. If you want to read about the promises for the certain time, for, the, for our time, read the book of Ephesians. Because the book of Joshua is about a people entering into the land. And the book of Ephesians is the New Testament counterpart of a people who already exist in the land. And who move forward in the things of God. I'm not saying that you can't, you can't point to this as something that God may want to do in your life. But I am saying be careful that you point to this and say, see, see, this is for me. Because it may not be for you. That takes discernment. But there are principles that we gain when we step. All right. Today, worship team, make your way up. We're going to do communion. Huh? And I want to I I end with this. I want to get back to privilege. Privilege. I, I, it says in Hebrews, uh, in, in, second, in 1 Peter 2, the Levites, the priest, bore the Ark of the Covenant before the people, okay? In the New Testament, the dimension of the Spirit, everything changes. Oh, some things are the same, but, but notice that, that in the Old Testament, everything was out there. Everything was exterior. The law was on the wall, and you had to follow the law. The, the, the sacrifices had to come to the temple or the tabernacle. You had to bring them uh, to the priests so the, for the forgiveness of sins and for the, uh, the, the t- offerings and the alms and everything. You, it, was, it was exterior. You had to go to the priest. You had to go to the prophet. If you wanted to know the word of the Lord, you had to go to the prophet. And that, that's all exterior. And, and religious systems keep it exterior. You have to come to this address. You have to go to this person. I remember as a young man, I had to go to confession and, and confess my sins to a priest. And one time I went, it's funny what you remember, I'm a little guy, and got to go to confession. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I, don't, I, I guess I've sinned, I don't know what I've done. And I remember confessing my sin to this priest, thinking, why do I have to come to him? It's very eerie and scary. It was a dark, and, and you know, he's on the other side, and, and Ooh, the thing opens up and there's a screen and I can't really see him and maybe he can see me. And I'm like, uh, 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 forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. He's like, all right, what'd you do? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, how about this? I stole my sister's bike, right? How do you steal your sister's bike? You live in the same home. That's what I said because I couldn't think of anything. Is that hilarious? I couldn't. Now, I'm sure there was plenty to draw from, but in the pressure of the moment, I I missed the free throw, and I said, I stole my sister's bike. And he goes, okay, uh, give me four Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. I'm like, can I just do that once, man? Why do I, oh, gosh, this is hard. <laughs> it, it, like, come on, man. And I, I thought, can I just, like, bypass this whole really weird, eerie thing and just go to God by my own? No, 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 no. All right, so we go from the exterior to the interior. Oh, God says he'll write his law on your hearts. It won't be on the wall, but it'll be on your hearts. Oh, I will, I'll teach you. I'll send my Holy Spirit who will convict you and lead you and guide you. Oh, oh I won't be out here. It won't, it won't be this distance between you and me, but I will, I will come near to you. I'll be close to you. I'll be inside of you. I'll be, no, the church won't happen in a building, although it can. It'll happen wherever my believers are together in unity. 
Oh, you don't have to go to a priest and ask for forgiveness of sin. You come right to me. Praise this one mediator between God and man, the Lord, the man, Jesus Christ. Oh. And I, and I, and I think that the, that the Old Testament saints say, man, it's so, they're so privileged to be in the New Testament. The walls have been torn down. There's no, there's no religious exercise that they have to follow. They don't have to come to Jerusalem three times a year. I'm not minimizing. I'm saying that's what they had to do. Oh, the sacrifices are a sacrifice of praise, and it's from the heart. And some people don't come to Christ because they think it's all on the exterior. It's so not that. And we've so misrepresented being a follower of Christ by making people think it's all on the outside. Oh, you got to come to church. Oh, you got to, you know, you have to do this. You have to do... And yes, there are things, but that comes in, in, in time. Listen to this. This is my confirmation for, for me anyway this morning. When I was sitting in the car, and actually I was back here, and I pulled up Hebrews 4 in the Amplified Bible. And it says this in verse 16, let us with privilege, therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace that is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Peter says this. I never read that, did I? Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, arrow, but are now the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, arrow, but now you have obtained mercy. So the priests represent the presence of God they, they, through the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they're the intercessors, they're the intermediaries, they're the ones who talk to God on behalf of the people and talk to the people on behalf of God. Now guess what? There is no Old Testament office of priest. You are the priests of the New Testament order. You are the one who brings the presence of God, so to speak, before other people. You are the one who proclaims the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. All of us. The New Testament order. Everyone. And we have privilege. May we, may we be good stewards of the privilege that we, privileges that we have in Jesus. May we be good stewards of that. Well, go ahead, guys, and just kind of play some chords. And we're going to have communion together. And so I think this is an appropriate time to just, again, enjoy this, 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 the dimension of the Spirit that we have and, and enjoy the fellowship of the saints and Jesus walking in the midst of his church. And no longer do I have to go to a man to receive this. Because he's the only one who can touch it and administer it. Oh, no, I do it on my own. Wherever you're gathered, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. All the religiosity has been stripped away that I might have no barriers to relationship with him. We saw that last week, guys, when, 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 the, when the spies visit Rahab the prostitute. And she's in the lineage of the Messiah. It's crazy. It's God. And it's wonderful. And it's amazing. And we take this wafer that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. We don't, we don't take it casually. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it in such a way as to call down curses on ourselves. Peter says, uh, Paul says, and some have even died. No, we, we take it reverently. We take it wholly. As the people of God, we understand that we are seated at his banquet table even now because of his shed blood and his resurrection. Jesus, we partake of you this morning. 
thank you. Let's do that together. We take of the cup, which is symbolic of his, his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. That his death opens the way for us to go into that most holy place. There is no other way because no one else is qualified to be my Savior. So Jesus, this, this, this day we, we take of your, your cup, symbolic of your blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. And we renew our covenant with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You came for criminals and every Pharisee. You came for hypocrites, even one like me. be someone here or someone watching online that that because of man-made religion you, you you left the presence of God so to speak you left relationship with him or you felt like if that's what Christianity is I don't want anything to do with that it's harsh it's hard it's 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 unloving it's unkind maybe someone who who's supposed to supposedly represented Christ said some things to you or did some things to you that just make you like I don't want anything to do with that please let me let me just address that as we close today and say that has that is not the heart of our God it's not and I, I I am sorry that that may have been said or you may have experienced that that whether it was hate or whether it was what someone said or did or whatever I don't know but but please understand that the barriers have been removed so that you could come to Jesus. There's only one thing that can keep you from Him, and that's you. It's your choice. He loves you, and He desires that 
and he is there for you and has been there for you. Would you surrender in your heart? Would you listen to the promptings of your, your own conscience? As a parent once told me, conscience is a beautiful thing. Would you respond to the call of the Holy Spirit to surrender your life? Take that step. I, I, I'm not trying to I don't feel like I have to talk you into something because I, I, I just don't believe that's necessary. I believe that if God's working in your heart, this is just a confirmation of what God's already saying. But you must take, at some point, you have to take that step. You have to step towards Him. May you, may you do that by God's grace, by His Spirit, in Jesus' name.